place if you're ready to own your power. I'm Coach Simone Kelly, author and coach with Own Your Power Communications. Our radio show and coaching programs serve as your guide to conscious living, intuitive wisdom, and personal growth. Today, I'm so excited to have one of my writing buddies that's amazing. I'm Sadiqa Johnson. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. It's so lovely to be here. I'm so glad we were able to connect. Good to see you again. It's been a minute. Way back, maybe like four or five years ago, I lost track. I think it was when Like a Fly and the War came out. We did a collaboration with promotions. Um, yeah. So that was a lot of fun. And I highly recommend authors do that. You know, you got to network. You got to connect. You can't just be in your little office writing away and that's it. Um, so let me tell yeah. you. So you guys can know who she is. Sadiqa Johnson is the New York Times bestseller of um, an author of five no- five novels. First of all, clap it up for that. <laughs> <laughs> One of my main goals um, is to become a New York Times bestseller. Her accolades include being the 20, 2022 Person Right Foundation Legacy Finalist, a BCALA Literary Honoree, and the Library of Virginia's Literary People's Choice Award winner. Woo! She is a Cambilio Fellow and teaches in the, teaches in the MFA program at Drexel University. Well, pretty good. You, like I don't even know where you find the time to do all this stuff. Um, <laughs> and originally from Philadelphia, she currently lives in Richmond, Virginia, with her husband and three teens. I thought it was two teens. It's three kids. Woo! It's three, yes, and they are growing up and growing out, girl. Yeah, you, and they look just like you guys. Like it's a nice mix of the two of you. <laughs> So let's talk about first, how did how did you start writing? Or what, how long have you been writing? I think I was a reader first. Um, I was definitely the, the girl who went to the library once a week. I checked out seven books. I read a book a day. So it, it started with a love for reading. I, I remember just always writing little stories, you know, at my grandmother's house and stories about like my evil stepmother and, you know, those types of things growing up. And then I think it got serious probably... In the late 90s, I think when I start working, um, when I was in college and then I was working in publishing and I just felt like I was surrounded by books all the time. And I thought I could do that. And that was the beginning. You know, I was probably right out of college in my first job at Scholastic Books when I started working on my first novel. In the industry. So you went to school for writing? Originally, that was your main focus. I was a theater major first. Uh huh. I was a theater major with a minor in political science. Those two things do not match. Uh, and then I gr- actually switched halfway to communications. And so I graduated with a degree in communication. So that gave me a little bit more freedom of where I could get a job. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Now, I noticed you write a lot of historical fiction. Tell us about that because I want to know like what inspired you. Because I know that's a lot, a lot of this. Um, I'm writing a book right now. It's not really historical, but it's it's based in the '90s. But just you have to remember, like all the different things, like the technology, everything that's so different. So, how was that for you? Like writing historical fiction, like what made you do that? Writing historical fiction was not by choice. It was not anything that I had ever planned. Um, my first three novels are contemporary fiction. You know, I was very happy writing about you know me and my experiences and my friends' experiences and things that I saw. But I moved to Richmond, Virginia in 2015 and just happened to be walking the Richmond Slave Trail in 2016. And as we were walking the trail, I discovered the story of Mary Lumpkin, who was an enslaved woman. She was married to uh, Robert Lumpkin, who was a notorious uh, cool man. He um, was a punisher of enslaved people, and he owned this place called the Devil's Half Acre. 
And I thought, oh my gosh, like how come people don't know Mary Lumpkin's story? And I could feel the hairs on my arms just sort of raise up as I was learning her story. But I remember thinking like, yeah, that's a book I want to read, but uh uh-uh, I'm not, I'm not that writer. But I think the, the, the ancestors had other plans for me because they literally got in the car with me and followed me home. And so all I could think about, yes, all I could think about was Mary Lumpkins and the, and her children. And I just gave it a shot. You know, I gave it a shot. And that was the beginning of me writing historical fiction. You know what I love? Um, just the whole idea of how a story takes a, a hold of you. Like it just captures you. You can't let it go. And that's why it's true. Like when you said the ancestors say, you got to write this book. So, but that's related, the, the House of Eve is related to Mary Lumpkin or the, the last book? So The Yellow Wife. My, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and The Yellow Wife was just to briefly tell us about that. And then we're going to talk about The House of Eve. <laughs> okay. So Yellow Wife uh, is my first historical, my fourth novel. Okay. And I fictionalized Mary Lumpkin's character, but the story was inspired by her and what I learned on that Richmond slave trail. Um, mm-hmm. It's the story of Phoebe Dolores Brown. She is 17 when the story opens. She's the daughter of the master of the plantation, along with his favorite uh, enslaved woman, Ruth, who was the medicine woman. And Phoebe has always known that she was going to be free on her 18th birthday. It's a promise that her father had made for her. But a series of events take place and that promise is not fulfilled. And instead of freedom up in Massachusetts, where she expects to go to an all-girls school, she ends up at the La Pira Jail, which is a notorious holding center and punishing site for enslaved people. So there she has to navigate um, life uh, and outwit the owner of the jail, not only for herself, but for all the people that she takes care of. And that book stretched me. It really, really stretched me. It feels like it, it could be taking some dark places. You had to take your sage out. <laughs> yes, um, yes. Who did you inter- I mean, I'm just curious. I mean, we're going to move on to the next book, but I'm just curious, like the interviews, like who did you have to interview for that? Did you, it was more just like research, Googling, or did you have real life people to talk to? Not real life people to talk to in the sense of them having that experience, but I did. um, So I I was able to connect with a historian who works at Virginia Union University. So the jail then changes hands over the years and it becomes Virginia Union University, um, which is one of the first HBCUs in the country. So that's how I knew I had to write that story. The jail in school? Are you kidding? Yes. 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 Yikes. I knew that. And so from talking to historians and going to libraries and plantations and all of that and reading so much, you know, I was on the beach. People were reading, you know, like Jody Jody Picoult. And I'm like reading Incident in the Lives of a Slave Girl, you know. So it definitely took a lot. It took a lot to pull that book together. And how long did it take you to write that book? I want to say it took about a year and a half to write, but I did about six months of research prior to writing the book. So two years or more probably to bring that to, yeah, together. And I asked that because a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to write a book, wham, bam, thank you, man, get it edited. I'm going to be a New York Times bestseller. You know, a lot of people don't realize how much work goes into like the research and rewriting and editing. And, you know, so it's, it's, I have clients now that just think, oh, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to be famous, you know? Um, yeah. And quite frankly, I'm going to be honest, when I first, like a flying wall, I just knew I was going to be New York Times bestseller, but it didn't become, it became Amazon bestseller. <laughs> but like, you have this ego that's like, yeah, everybody's going to love my book. But it don't always work like that. It's a lot of work that goes behind it. So that leads me to the next book, the book that just came out, The House of Eve. So tell us about that book and 
how did it feel to find out that you were near time so wow the the house of eve is my fifth novel and um it was inspired by stories that my grandmother told me you know she was she told me that she was the black sheep of our family because she got pregnant with my mom at age 14 she had her at 15 she had her out of wedlock and in the 1950s you know that g- good girls just didn't do that and I started thinking about what options did my grandmother have during that time in the early 1950s, young black woman, poor woman, you know, what options did she have? And that led me to uh, learning about maternity homes, which were these homes for young girls who were unwed and pregnant to go and have their babies, leave the baby and go home as if it never happened. Whoa. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. This is really exciting. Interesting. Um, so yes, yeah, so I don't want you to spoil the book. Don't talk to me. <laughs> I won't tell anything else, but it's told between two different voices, okay. uh, Ruby and Eleanor, and you get two different perspectives throughout the book. And as you said, it was it was my first New York Times bestseller, which was incredible and amazing. And you know, it's been on my vision board since two thousand, probably. So it took it took over twenty years to manifest that dream. But it was definitely one that I've, you know, put out there. Um, It was also a Reese Witherspoon book club pick, which definitely helped with, you know, getting on the list. All those things sort of work together to get you where you want to be. But it's an amazing ride. The paperback comes out um, in February. So just, I think, two more weeks from now, I'll be back on the road promoting the paperback copy of the book. And can you add a little bit of um, backstory of, of how you got to reach with a spoon or how, what are some things you did marketing wise or your team, I should say, to build up the, the hype so that people were like, oh, I need to buy this book. Like, what did you guys do to help other authors? A lot of people don't do marketing. So, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a collaborative act. Um, you, you want to have a publisher that's going to be behind you. And I think by the time the House of Eve came, I had written several books and I've had books where I didn't have you know, the backing of the publishing house. It was just like, oh, send send a couple of review copies, mm-hmm. let her go to a store in Philly and New Jersey and DC. And then, okay, off to the next book. So I've had that experience. Mm-hmm. But what I know is that, you know, my first book was self-published, my very first novel. And I definitely had to, you know, take to the streets myself, go into book fairs and all types of places where I could hand sell my book. And so I've always retained that. Mm-hmm. In, you know, my my book selling, even though now I'm published by a traditional publisher, I, I always hold on to that. So I'm definitely, you know, shouting the loudest, um, doing what I need to do on social media, saying yes to events, meeting with book clubs, all of those things sort of tick the box and add up to mm-hmm. being able to, you know, make it to the New York Times bestsellers list. And I would like to add, you also do email marketing. A lot of people shun away from that and just think, oh, just Instagram, like, no, it's, it's, if you get a higher, um, um, I guess, response to email marketing, over like 40% people don't realize. Yeah, I definitely get, when I, I just put a newsletter out this week, and I definitely get close to 50% response, mm-hmm. open mm-hmm. rate on my on my newsletter. And there's a certain, certain people who read newsletters, there's certain people on Facebook, and there's certain people on Instagram, and they don't always overlap, you know, they're not, yeah. Yeah, so you got to be able to, to work work all those different little rooms, right? Um, so let's go back to like the conception stage, I guess. 
when you start writing, do you have a time of day that you like to write? Do you have a special sacred space that you like to write? We actually, this is actually going to be a part of a series that we be talking about how to create, make your writing sacred again. So mm -hmm. talk about your sacred space. We talk about the habits you need to have as a, as a writer. So what are some things that you can say, like, as far as like your habits and like, where do you write that makes it special? Yeah. So I'm a morning writer. Um, I get up earlier and I think I can, I think I'm moving towards it. The holidays have completely thrown me off. So I don't get up past seven o'clock, but I really want to get up like five forty-five, six o'clock. Like that's, that's the goal. So I'm kind of, yeah, that's the dream. That's the dream. Um, but I wake up no later than seven. Um, I spend about 30 minutes in prayer and meditation because I feel like that's going to get, first of all, that's just a good way to start your day. But mm -hmm. also if I'm asking the energy, the spirits, the ancestors, the, you know, the story to flow through me, I need to prepare my temple so that I could receive the story. I do a little bit of journaling. Uh, right now I'm fasting, so I'm not drinking coffee, but I only have a few more days. I, I do a 21 day fast at the beginning of every year. Okay. So today, so now I'm doing like water, lemon, ginger, and, and mint. That's kind of like my morning drink. But on Tuesday, I will be back to my coffee. Okay. Um, so I, I have that and I try and sit and just sit at the computer and I try to write from whatever time that is, anywhere from 7.30 to 8 until about 10, because yeah. 10 o'clock is, yeah, to about 10, so that I get that first little bit of writing off. I do that, I do two pages of morning pages, and then I try and work on the story. And then I'll take a little break, and then I come back to it. Um, I try to be finished by 1, 2 o'clock, because by then it's kind of like, okay, it's other things that need to be done. So the yeah. business of being an author also takes, up a lot of time. So I need to, you know, check my email, respond, make sure my tour schedule is good, you know, social media, that sort of thing. So I try and go up to about two o'clock and then use the afternoon for the other things that need to be done. Okay. And I really love how you have a morning ritual or, you know, that you do and that you incorporate writing. A lot of people don't realize writing is a form of meditation because, you know, when you're writing and you're like, did I write that? Like, it's like, <laughs> mm -hmm. I love that. Oh, I wrote that. What? <laughs> yeah. You're not always doing it alone. You are getting help. Bro. So yeah, I think that's a perfect addition to your morning rituals. And I would like to add that you are, like we mentioned earlier, you are a wife, you are a mother of three children. So how does that work as far as them respecting your space? And I say, mommy, mommy, hey, help, help. Yeah. You have, like, yes. Sign? Like, what are you doing? Well, they are all teenagers now. Um, and uh, two are in college and one is in high school. So the house is a lot quieter now. Um, but even just over the break, like I just didn't write because everybody was here. It was just so noisy. And even, you know, the last few days I would start writing and my middle daughter would come in and she's like, my, like, no, no care that I'm working. So no. finally she was, you know, <laughs> yes, no knock knock, just mommy. Oh, you know. Um, so finally, I have to say, like, baby, I'm, I can't talk about last night's football game with you. Like, I'm writing. Like, you're on break. I'm not on break, you know. So it, it, it's difficult. But they are, you know, they're mostly away now. So it's, it's gotten a lot easier. Right. And it's, and it's great that you have a husband that supports you as well. Does he, does he knock on the door or does he like? He, he does. And sometimes he won't even. He'll wait. He works from home, too. And his is downstairs. So he'll kind of wait for me to come downstairs, which is nice, you know. It's a good partner, yeah. Mm -hmm. Some people be like, "You still writing? You still writing?" Um, like, "Yeah, I'm still writing, babe." Yeah, I'm talking about. My <laughs> 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 um, yeah, because when you have to write a book, when you have deadlines, that's the pressure. Lord, oh my goodness, yeah. Um, okay. 
So now, what's next for you? Tell me what are you working on next, or is it a secret? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not talking too much about it because it's still in its embryo state. But um, I am working on a historical novel. Uh, it'll be my third historical. Completely, all of them are standalones. Um, I discovered a woman in history who has done something really phenomenal for children. And a lot of people don't know her story. Um, so she is sort of the center of the book. Um, but I'm exploring, again, different themes of classism and colorism and, uh, you know, growing up in the late 40s to 50s, what that's like, a little bit of the 60s. Um, there's a little bit of an army angle to this book that I'm I'm kind of working through, which has been very difficult because I um, am not from a military family. So everything is like brand new research. Like there is not even like, you know, I don't know. I, I, I am at the point where I'm like, Sadiqa Johnson, what have you gotten yourself into? But that's okay. That feels, that's good too. That's appropriate. Um, Cause I have to just sort of push through that fear, um, push through with discipline. You know, by showing up every day and putting those words down on the page, that's the only way that I'm going to be able to make sense of it. So I'm still early, but hopeful. Do you ever put out a call for for help? Like, hey, I'm any military um kids? Can you can I interview you? You know, do you ever do that? Like to ask? Like, that's a I have not, but that is a really good idea. And I know plenty, so if you need you need to send you some people. Um, especially people that grew up in those those eras too, like you said, in the fifties, sixties. Yeah, it? it's in the it's uh it's in the late forties, early fifties in the army. People, are you kidding me? People love just to give advice and be have the credits in in the book. Um, I had a, a scene where it was like EMT in my last book, on Journey's Revenge. I don't know anything about what happens, you know. And so I just said, hey, anybody know an EMT? Oh yeah, yes. Yeah. The people that I didn't even know that were my friends that that did it before, and I was oh. so just use utilize your list, girl. <laughs> <laughs> okay all right that's a thought that's a thought so this is exciting i'm looking forward to that next book and um, i'm looking for i need to read the, the, the those last two for sure but I, I need to like sit down i need to have time to read i need to force myself to read so do you have time to read that's another question <laughs> so going on tour is a good thing for me because i do all my reading in transition so planes trains that sort of thing is when i actually get to read and i look forward to it so i still carry books actual books um, but yeah, I'll be on tour in February. So that's when I'll get the bulk of my reading done. Cause at home, I'm like you, it's a little bit, is a little bit more tricky to sit down and read. I'm just so excited that you are doing what you do and you're inspiring all of my, my fan base. And I have a, a writing group called the writer's lab um, by Onya Power. So is there any words of wisdom you could give to people that have a book in their head that they have yet to put on paper? Any last yeah. words? Yes, the biggest thing really is um, keep your butt in the seat because what your butt does, the rest of you will follow, right? So make time for your writing. I often tell writers who are having a hard time, put it on your calendar just the same way you would a dental appointment. You know, 15 minutes before work, 20 minutes before bed. It doesn't have to be, you know, five hours a day. It could be 15, 20 minutes here and there. And before you know it, you've strung some things together. Um, don't give up on yourself. It is really easy to be like, forget this, this is too hard, but you're gonna regret it. So the story that is inside of you wants to be born and you're the only person who could tell it. So stay the course. Love that, love that. And, and I also would like to add to make sure you have a community, you know, whether it's a, a writer, not just your, your, your mother and your, your, your boyfriend or your husband, 
it needs to be like other writers that you can bounce things off of and communicate with and share because I think that's so important to keep each other, you know, hold each other accountable. Yeah. So um, thank you so much, Sadiqa. It was so good to see thank you. Thank you. Um, you're inspiring me, inspiring so many. And um, we look forward to seeing more. Of what you're thank doing. you. Give us your website, social media, anything you want to give us. Yes, absolutely. You can find me on Instagram, um, Sadiqa Says. I'm also on Facebook. Uh, you can go to my website, SadiquaJohnson.net. Can you spell Sadiqa for us? Because I know you spell sure. it. Sure. Um, it's S-A-D-E-Q-A. So Instagram will be Sadiqa Says. And my web address is SadiquaJohnson.net. And everybody pick up your copies of her books. <laughs> Please. Yes. And if you're, if you're, you know, you want to, uh, paperback it comes out on february 6th if you want a hardcover jump now because soon they won't be in stores okay do you have any i have home i'm gonna send you <laughs> send you a cash app right after this um so thank you so much for being here everybody keep it locked on own your power we have more things coming up so um thanks again for thanks for having me and if you want to learn more about what I do for um, life coaching, intuitive coaching, um, Reiki, just go to ownyourpower.biz to learn more about me. And um, we have a few classes coming up soon. So make sure you join the mailing list so you can get invited. And remember, anything you want is attainable. Own your power. Make sure you check out the Own Your Power radio network. Our talk show topics will be a refreshing change from mainstream gossip radio and negative news. We're edgy, fun, educational, and not afraid to tackle the topics that others might. We focus on topics such as entrepreneurship, creating abundance and prosperity, fulfilling relationships, fitness, mind, body, and soul, wellness, spirituality, metaphysics, alternative healing, and more. If you'd like to find out more about Own Your Power Radio, just go to ownyourpower.biz and click media. You can find us on all radio platforms such as iTunes, Spotify, Buzzsprout, SoundCloud, and many more. Check us out on ownyourpower.biz. Remember, anything you want is attainable. Own Your Power.